Air pollution in the Windy City. Chicago ranks third in the nation in deaths and health costs related to diesel pollution. That's according to a new analysis by the Clean Air Task Force, a nonprofit group based in Boston. Michael Hawthorne dug up the report for his latest story for the Chicago Tribune, and he joins us now to discuss this and much more. Hi, Michael. Welcome back. Hey, Sasha. Thanks. Uh, Great to be with you. What is your reaction to Chicago's ranking here? Well, in in a way, uh, as somebody who's been writing about this uh, for a long time, it was not surprising, but it's still staggering. Um, It's a reflection of our long history as a freight hub. And uh, one thing that really jumped out to me at the beginning of the pandemic, there were a lot of stories about uh, places like India, China, um, Los Angeles having very clear skies, because of the economy shut down, because traffic had had had, uh, had ground to a halt. Mm-hmm. And when I dug up the numbers uh, for Chicago, uh, we barely changed. And that's probably because, well, almost assuredly, it's because, you know, people were still ordering things. Trains and diesel trucks were still moving around the area. There might, the roads might have been, you know, clear of cars there at the, uh, you know, the early part of 2020, mm-hmm. uh, but there were still a lot of diesel trucks on the roads and, and you know, freight was still being moved uh, and packages were still being delivered. And there is, um, uh, you know, a consequence to that. Uh, it's not good for our lungs. So let, let's talk about that. So you say packages still being moved, lots of diesel trucks on the road. Who is most affected by this, this type of pollution? Well, you know, it, it, it can affect anybody. According to this analysis, the, the, the highest risks uh, tend to follow where uh, locomotive rail yards are, intermodal facilities, and interstate highways. And we've got a lot of both of those things. So um, if you look at some past analyses, um, for example, a few years ago, I wrote about um, a plans to expand a Norfolk Southern uh, Railroad yard, intermodal yard in the Englewood neighborhood. It's right there along the Dan Ryan Expressway. It's also a huge intermodal facility, lots of diesel locomotives, diesel trucks coming in and out of that facility. Mm -hmm. And the, the company, the railroad, wanted to expand it. And an analysis by the Chicago-based nonprofit, the Environmental Law and Policy Center, using a very similar computer model that the Clean Air Task Force used, found that the extra diesel pollution would stretch all the way from Englewood all the way into Bridgeport, so north. And, and, and so that just the, the increase in the number of trains, the increase in the amount of diesel trucks and equipment moving around that rail yard mm-hmm. was going to have a very significant effect on people living nearby. And that effect, just uh, give me the the scope of the health and environmental effects. I I know that the uh, report talks about 8,800 deaths. Is that right? Yeah, nationally, uh, in in, in the metropolitan area that stretches from Kenosha uh, out to Naperville, around to Gary, basically kind of coming around the lake, 340 people are expected to die next year from diseases that are triggered or made worse by exposure to diesel soot. And in addition to that, $3.7 billion a year in health costs. And those are health costs that are, aren't, you know, accounted for when we talk about the jobs that are offered by rail yards or uh, Amazon warehouses. As you uh, reported, Michael, new or refurbished diesel engines uh, are required to comply with very strict standards. 
but the older, dirtier diesel equipment can keep operating legally. Why is that? Yeah, that's a it's a it's a kind of a quirk of of the Clean Air Act. Of you know, for example, a, a, a coal-fired power plant. Uh, there are there are regulations in place because of the Clean Air Act that require those plants to clean up. That's why a lot of them are closing. They can't make money anymore. They it's not worth installing to the owners to uh, install pollution control equipment. But mobile sources, what they call cars and trucks and, and uh, you know, construction equipment, locomotives, they aren't covered the same way. And so you have a problem where, for example, uh, uh, several years ago, another story that I wrote about was at Union Station. You've got all of these uh, metro trains and Amtrak trains coming into Union Station. It's poorly ventilated. You can literally see the diesel exhaust hanging in the air. Mm. And an analysis that I did using a handheld uh, diesel soot monitor found that the levels of diesel soot actually increased when the doors of a metro train closed and the train pulled out of the station. Essentially, the doors were open and the exhaust coming from the train just, you know, sucked into the cars and people were breathing high levels of diesel soot the whole way out. The levels then were much lower on the way back in. Uh, As a result of that, Metra installed more uh, efficient filters on their passenger cars. Mm -hmm. They started technology that shuts the trains down and switches them to electric power when they're in the station. Both Amtrak and Metra have been buying newer locomotives that are cleaner, yet you know, this report shows that diesel soot, there's, there's really no safe level of exposure to it, and it is responsible for a lot of health problems. Well, on the topic of solutions, our governor's pushing to make the state a center for electric vehicle and battery manufacturing. I want to play a little bit of uh, Reset Sustainability contributor Karen Weigert talking about that recently. Let's listen. County is essentially the freight gateway in North America with half a billion tons of freight moving on the highways every year. But what's interesting on the other side is that Illinois actually has strength in the EV truck industry. We've talked about Rivian and others that have locations here in Illinois. Line Electric Company out of Canada announced that they will be building their first ever U.S. factory in Joliet to build electric school buses. So, Michael, given the state's position when it comes to the EV industry, is Illinois poised to shift away from diesel anytime well, soon? It, it, I think in a, in, in, in a many ways, yes. There, there, there's, there's promising uh, developments on that front. The recently enacted uh, climate bill in Springfield includes about $100 million, up to $100 million in funding to jumpstart uh, the electrification of transportation. There's still money from the Volkswagen legal settlement. Volkswagen uh, was accused and found that they had uh, installed devices on their vehicles that had defeated um, pollution pollution control equipment. Uh, Illinois got about $88 million out of that settlement. Just yesterday, um, the Illinois EPA announced uh, that they were awarding of $4.2 million uh, to school districts and uh, transportation companies in the Chicago area and Metro East around St. Louis to buy all electric school buses. As Karen mentioned in that clip you just played, Lion Electric is uh, is going to be building, making, manufacturing uh, electric school buses in Joliet. You've got the Rivian factory in Normal. They're building an SUV and a truck, and they're also building 
delivery vans for Amazon. Mm -hmm. And then you've got uh, the company that now owns Chrysler. They have a large plant in Belvedere near Rockford. They just recently announced that the whole Chrysler line is going to be electric by 2028. And they are also going to be building delivery vans in Belvedere, electric delivery vans. The one thing that uh, environmental activists who are very key in, in getting that energy bill in Springfield uh, to the governor's desk yeah. are, are, are concerned about is the governor has so far, Governor Pritzker so far has uh, resisted signing on to a multi-state compact where states that are in that compact have agreed to actually require more electric cars on the roads, electric vehicles on the roads. So the fear is that we'll be building these vehicles in Illinois, but maybe we won't see them on the road. You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and that is Chicago Tribune reporter Michael Hawthorne. We're discussing a new analysis that shows Chicago ranks third in the nation in deaths and health costs that are related to diesel pollution. Michael, thanks for breaking that down for us. Thank you, Sasha. Let's turn now to an expert and an environmental justice advocate for their thoughts on the analysis. On the line with us is Brian Urbaszewski, Director of Environmental Health at Respiratory Health Association of Metropolitan Chicago. Hey, Brian. Hi. Glad to to talk to you. Also here, Kim Wasserman, Executive Director of the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization. Great to have you back on the show, Kim. Thank you for having me. Brian, you, you heard Michael paint a very vivid picture there. Uh, Tell us how this report fits into your understanding of the diesel air pollution problem here in Chicago. Well, diesel exhaust from, you know, big trucks is a trigger for things like asthma attacks. It exacerbates uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. It's tied to lung cancer and a host of other ills, including all the way up to premature death. So it's a very serious problem. And being at the crossroads of the country where all the railroads meet, where massive amounts of uh, diesel trucking operate not only along our highways but in communities, people are exposed to a lot of this this air pollution. And we're we've been pushing the governor to uh, sign on to that agreement that Michael talked about, that memorandum of understanding for medium and heavy duty zero emission vehicles that 16 other states have already signed on to, uh, and a number of them have gotten rules on the books that require more electric vehicles to be sold in those states. And like Michael said, it's it's an issue of like, you know, we have the, the industry here. We're creating the jobs here. We're going to be building those, um, you know, uh, buses and trucks and other big diesel vehicles as electric vehicles that don't emit any air pollution. But the problem is they're going to be going to places like New York or Oregon or, or California or Massachusetts that are implementing these rules that require those electric vehicles to be sold in those states. So we're, we're going to have, you know, all the jobs here, but we're going to have also all the existing air pollution from those continuing use of diesel vehicles because mm-hmm. the electric vehicles that we're making here aren't going to be sold here. And that's a big problem. Well, Brian, how do COVID-19 and air pollution compound to affect people's health? Well, there were a lot of studies that came out, um, you know, at the beginning of the COVID-19 uh, epidemic that showed that, you know, it was uh, there was a sort of a co-founding um, or, or comorbid- comorbidities with uh, higher uh, fine particulate exposure and bad outcomes from COVID-19, more deaths in those areas. Um, so obviously there's some connection between, I mean, we, we already know 
air pollution and the soot that comes off of diesel engines is not good for people, even in the absence of COVID, but it seemed to just rub salt in the wound of the COVID epidemic that we were suffering yeah. and actually increase the number of deaths and people who got sick from the, from the uh, virus. Well, Kim, I want to bring you in here. Your organization, you fought for cleaner air in Little Village for years. So talk to us about the biggest challenges related to diesel pollution that the neighborhood's facing. You know, I think the, some of the biggest challenges are really around the siting of these warehouses. Um, you know, around Little Village alone, if you include the neighborhoods to the north and south of us, we're dealing with about 91 warehouses or TDLs within our area. And we're not looking as a city at transportation in its entirety. We're only looking at it at a case-by-case basis. We're also not thinking about the health and environment costs that come associated with that. Uh, to Brian's point, we're only thinking about the, the small jobs or we're only thinking about the, the, the limited economic growth that comes with it and not thinking about the unintended or intended consequences. And so it's a real problem because at the end of the day, it's our, it's our communities, it's people, particularly low-income people of color, who are dealing with the... Um, Pollution issues are dealing with the health issues as a byproduct of this expansion. Yeah, Little Village is home to more than two dozen industrial facilities that use heavy-duty diesel trucks. So, Kim, what would you like to see elected officials here do differently to address this issue? I think there's a couple of things. Um, I think at a city level, quite honestly, we really need to be looking at what the cumulative impact is of these of these industries that are currently here but also thinking about the future and how do we as a city get empowered to actually say no when warehouses want to move into areas that are already overburdened? How do we empower the city to be able to say, no, the health and well-being of this community is more important? Um, I think also at a state level, uh, both to what Michael and, and Brian stated, the governor needs to sign the MOU. Um, it's not just the question of bringing these electric jobs to, the neighbor, to, our, to our state. It's about which communities do we target first? Which are the communities that are dealing with this problem more than others? And how do we um, uh, center those communities to ensure that they are being protected, but also that those jobs can directly benefit them as well? There's a lot of small and pop diesel shops in our communities. There's a lot of uh, people who work as truck drivers, and we really want to make sure that we're not just thinking about the electrification, but we're thinking about the full life cycle of what diesel to electrification actually means. Talk about the traffic that goes through your neighborhood and how trucks and factories not only impact the environment, but also the pedestrian dangers. Goodness, yes. I mean, I think the reality is there's no better example than I think the Hilco Target Development on Pulaski, where we're being told as a neighborhood that it'll be great. Like, there'll be trucks, there'll be bikes, uh, we'll make the sidewalk safer. And if you've ever walked across that bridge, you know that mm-hmm. it is definitely not safe. And so for us is, is again, the reality that, you know, we're not getting real numbers around how many trucks these facilities are going to bring. We're not thinking about the pedestrian safety. We're not thinking about the infrastructure question. A lot of our bridges in Chicago are not in great shape and putting more and more heavy duty diesel on them isn't helping. And they're not contributing to the cost of fixing the potholes, of fixing the infrastructure problems. And so if we're going to be doing business in this way, we need to be thinking about those costs that are associated with these types of developments so that we can cover the infrastructure issues. We can be thinking better about pedestrian safety, biker safety. We're seeing more and more bikers being killed, more and more young people, you know, um, losing their lives at the cost of trucks uh, all over the south and southwest sides. And so it's really important that we broaden how we're thinking about transportation and diesel. Brian, we know the federal government sets national standards for air quality particle concentrations uh, in the atmosphere. What else would you like to see the city or state do to take further action? 
Well, I think there's a couple things. Um, and, you know, to, to get back to, to Kim's point, I mean, uh, how this affects certain neighborhoods, I mean, if you're looking at asthma, it, it tracks with low income. So people with lower incomes have higher right. asthma rates. Uh, black and Hispanic communities have higher asthma rates. So they're, they're, you have basically the sickest people being put in the worst possible position, being um, put close to huge sources of industrial air pollution and vehicle pollution. That's a really bad situation. So what we want to do with CJA is make sure that the money that is going to be going to electrify vehicles goes to those communities first and prioritizes those communities that are seeing the biggest impacts, the biggest negative impacts from air pollution from vehicles. Um, so that's kind of key. And, you know, getting that rule on the books is going to be key to make sure that um, increasing numbers of electric vehicles have to be sold everywhere in Illinois. Yeah. I think there's also the Volkswagen um, money has to be spent out. The, the state's been sitting on it for several years. Uh, as Michael said, there's, you know, $4 million for school buses was announced today. But there's about $80 million sitting there that hasn't been spent yet that should be spent to get these vehicles on the road. Um, and, you know, I, I think, um, you know, the federal government has to do a better job at setting tighter standards for vehicles because obviously what's, um, what's out there now is still causing uh, enough pollution to kill hundreds of people in the Chicago area every single year. I've only got a minute left, but I want to hear from both of you. What else are you going to be paying attention to as we move forward? You go first, Brian. Well, we're going to see if the governor signs on to that MOU and gets the rules on the books so we can sell more electric vehicles in Illinois. We're going to see if they're going to hire a um, an EV coordinator at the Illinois EPA, which hasn't been done yet. And we're going to see if they finalize a plan to get um, to spend out all that Volkswagen settlement money on electric vehicles, which hasn't been done yet as well. Last word to you, Kimberly. I think there's two things. I think on the state level, uh, IEPA needs to expand the definition of environmental justice communities to help protect more communities. And at a city level, the mayor needs to uh, work with EJ communities to introduce and pass a commutative impact ordinance. That is Kim Wasserman, executive director of the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization, and Brian Urbaszewski with the Respiratory Health Association of Metropolitan Chicago. Thank you both. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.